episode of the Championship Roundtable podcast. I'm your host, James Vickers. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore James Vickers. And you can also reach us on the show on our new Twitter page, which is at Championship Pod. Hi, I'm Simeon. Uh, I tweet from Bucks Royal. I'm the editor of the Tilehurst End. Uh, you can read our thoughts on all things Reading and listen to the podcast as well. Hi, this is Ben for the Blue Monday podcast following Ipswich Town. You can follow me on Twitter at Benjamin Bloom and on YouTube if you just type Benjamin Bloom in. Also, perfect. Yeah, cheers for joining me today, guys. Um, it's sort of nice to take a little break from the league uh, this weekend. Obviously, it's FA Cup third round weekend, which sort of for many people is one of the most you know exciting uh, weekends of the season especially in December when the draw's made. Everyone sort of looks to get a big team or sort of an easy-ish draw into the next round. So I thought we'd start with sort of how our teams got on this weekend. It's uh, sort of looking at who you two played, It's especially for you, Ben. Um, you know, it's always nice to get away from sort of league sort of teams in the FA Cup, but you had a sort of a difficult-looking home game against Sheffield United. So sort of talk us through the game and, and who impressed you and sort of who disappointed from an Ipswich point of view. Well, we should really say it was Ipswich B versus Sheffield United reserves, I think. So Sheffield United made eight changes. Ipswich, basically, because of the injury crisis they're in at the moment, had to play quite a lot of first-team players anyway. So um, Luke Hyam came back. That's his first start in... A long, long time. Um, the game was a little bit overshadowed with all the transfer rumours at the moment, um, looking like Ipswich are possibly going to have a pretty doomsday-type clear-out during January. So just before the game, we heard that um, long-serving Tommy Smith now might be the latest to leave, along with Kiefer Moore, who's one of the top scorers in uh, League One on loan at Rotherham. Crystal Palace interested in the goalkeeper Bielkowski and David McGoldrick, one of the higher paid players, um, possibly looking at Cardiff as well. So all a bit depressing there. Only 12,000 in at the game. You know, vast areas of the ground were shut off and, you know, like the top tiers closed in a, in a couple of the stands. And although Ipswich started fairly well, um, Nathan Thomas on about 25 minutes smashed one in the top corner for Sheffield United. And from then on, um, the game deteriorated into um, Ipswich being fairly incompetent and not being able to break Sheffield United down to uh, individual mistakes at the back and Sheffield United breaking away and having chances but not putting another one in. And then a very, very toxic last 15 minutes or so where Mick McCarthy presumably because he didn't want a replay, decided not to make any substitutions. Ipswich didn't have a shot on target for the whole game, and it just turned really, really nasty. So um, you always seem to get me on here at the most depressing possible time, but it was it was a bad time yesterday. There was no intensity. There weren't people in the ground. There's all the... Um, all the transfer stuff going on, the possibility of McCarthy going at the end of the year and no kind of transfer strategy other than let's clear out and last till the end of the year. So it was it was a bad day. Um, obviously, to lose against a league rivals reserves team, but Sheffield United had a thousand fans. They looked very together. They played their normal three five two system and and deserved to deserved to win. So. Stick it off out of the FA Cup third round for you know 
at that eighth season running now. Um, and let's see what we can make of the remainder of the transfer window and hope the season doesn't collapse in on itself from here. You wish you didn't invite me on today, James, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, it always seems to be sort of when we get you on, it is sort of, and I don't, I don't pick it that way that, you know, you sort of, <laughs> in a little bad spell or you've had a, a defeat the day before when we record it. So it's always sort of something that um, sort of seems to happen. I think next time we get you on will definitely be when we play you at, at Deepdale. So I'll uh, I'll make sure I do that. And then obviously... Or, uh, unless McCarthy sort of, goes beforehand, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned there, obviously, um, sort of players leaving in the transfer window. Is there sort of any indication of players going to be coming in? Because sort of, to go back to the league for a second, you're not a million miles away from sort of the playoffs. Is there sort of, sort of from the club, a bit of uh, sort of ambition to get closer to the playoffs? Or is um, sort of where you are in the league at the moment where you'd expect to finish? So apparently Crystal Palace have a list of six goalkeepers and Bielkowski's on that list, but they seem to be more pursuing the Hitafe goalkeeper. So hopefully that will put pay to that. Although the club hasn't come out and said, oh, look, Bielkowski is not for sale. They've said, oh, well, he's on their list. So they look, they look quite happy to receive offers. Um, I kind of get that they might want to clear out some high earners and some long-term players but McCarthy's response on players coming in he's looked at Goldson from Brighton but was very much um, well he's only going to be available if Brighton get extra cover so that may or may not happen the other thing he said was it's going to be loans uh, and I quote loans or Bosmans for someone to help out and I think the biggest worry James is that his contract's up at the end of the year it looks like um, they're not backing him now so it looks to all intents and purposes, like it's a clear out ready for the new guy to come in because surely if he was, I don't know, if he was going to sign another year or another two years, um, they'd be, he'd be wanting some money, wouldn't he? But um, it, it does, it doesn't look other than maybe a, I don't know, a long in the tooth Premier League centre half coming in on loan or something like anyone's going to come in. And like you say, James, from the outside, they don't look that far off the playoffs, but. Obviously, quickly, the mitigating circumstances, the injuries, it's just ridiculous. Andre Dezel out for the season, Ted Bishop out for the season, Adam Webster um, out with the Achilles, Grant Ward out with the groin, um, and Jordan Spence suspended for three games. He just hasn't had a fit squad all season, but there appears to be no real kind of onward transfer strategy at the moment. Yeah, you mentioned the injuries there. I remember when I uh, went on the Blue Monday podcast uh, that we did sort of, I think it was October time and we were going through our injury crisis when we played you. So I know exactly sort of what you're going through at the moment. So sort of fingers crossed you, you do manage to get a couple of players in and sort of sustain where you are or, or sort of push on, even though obviously as a Preston fan, you're a couple of places below us. So I'd, I'd like to see you stay there. Um, obviously, we've got a good chance to get in the playoffs. So sort of the teams underneath us, if they're sort of struggling, as you mentioned, it, it's better for us. Um, but sort of moving on to you, Simeon, um, potential sort of banana skin tie for you away at Stevenage yesterday. Um, sort of, again, talk us through the game. Was there anyone that stood out really for you? And, and what were your thoughts coming away from the game? It's one of those where, on paper, you really think that we should have been winning that going away to a League 2 side. But looking at all the other teams that have gone out this weekend, uh, Stoke, Leeds and Arsenal today as well, um, it's uh, pretty relieving to be able to come away with it with a clean sheet and a draw, despite a really bad performance that we put in. Um, 
and we had to rely on our goalie a lot, Ansi Akla, our um, backup goalie, uh, making some really good saves. Um, we put out a really good, really strong side, um, didn't make too many changes, um, mostly had a fit team to, to pick to pick with. Um, strangely, Yapstan went for kind of like two false nines up front, uh, playing Gareth McCleary and Modu Barrow, both wingers up front, rather than actually playing an out-and-out striker. Um, but that tells you quite a lot about the um, unbalanced squad that we have at the moment. Um, and, yeah, even though it's a, obviously a very disappointing uh, result, only being able to get a nil-nil draw at Stevenage in League 2, um, putting it into a bit of context, a bit of perspective, uh, looking how badly other teams have been doing this weekend, um, and also how low on confidence the team is in general, it could have been an awful lot worse, to be honest. Yeah, you mentioned there, obviously, uh, sort of nil-nil. You'd expect to be sort of at least sort of getting a couple of goals at a League Two team. Is there sort of an issue sort of with the forwards that you mentioned? Is, is there going to be sort of someone coming in over January or sort of what's the situation on that? We'd really hope to be getting another striker in. Um, at the moment, we've only got Jan Kermigan, who is about 36, going into the last year or two of his career. John Daddy Bodvarsson missed out with injury again. Uh, and then after them, there's no fit senior striker. So we really need at least one or two forwards, but we have done all season. Uh, we don't really know how much budget there is um, at all, to be honest. We might have to uh, be looking at the loan market or, or Bosman. So I'm not confident that we're going to be able to go out and get a, a particularly good striker. Um, I really would want us to be looking at the lower leagues uh, for a bit of value, hopefully, which we always used to do a couple of years ago. Um, got Adam Lafondre in for about 300,000. Um, but for some reason, we don't seem to be looking at that kind of market anymore. And I think we should do, especially the the value that there can be out there. And Barnsley have done very well for, with it uh, in the last couple of years, for example. So um, I hope we could replicate that. But annoyingly, doesn't seem that we'll be able to do that or much else business. Yeah, it's been sort of looking at the table quite a disappointing season for you so far. Obviously, you were sort of in and around the playoffs all the last season. Is there sort of any real sort of sort of thing you can put your finger on for why it's been sort of so bad so far this season, or is it a case of just not having sort of the depth in squad and a forward or sort of more covering the forward areas to sort of take chances? There's so many different factors that I could point out, to be honest. Uh, Injuries, unbalanced squad, the tactics haven't been as effective. Uh, we lost some key players in the summer as well. Uh, Ali El Habsi, Danny Williams at Huddersfield. Um, just a lot of things going against us and we haven't been able to uh, properly fight back against it. And at the moment, this just the confidence, which is so bad. Um, to be honest, I think it all kind of stems from the playing style to an extent because the Appstam is so religiously focused on getting his teams to pass the ball around and control possession that it's not like he's going to go 4-4-2 and uh, take things back to basics and get the ball in the box from out wide, that kind of thing. Um, so trying to play that complicated style of football when you've not really got the players for it and the players that you do have are low on confidence, it just adds up and it, it's a snowballing effect and that's basically been the story of our season. We had looked quite good, I think, back in November uh, went about five games unbeaten. Um, but then all throughout December, uh, we've barely been able to pick up a win at all, I think, since early December up at, Sun up at Sunderland. And recently, the football's just been dire.
Yeah, we'll sort of move on to Preston now, and it's been sort of uh, not doom and gloom, but sort of uh, you know, sort of both your teams uh, sort of on the wrongish end of results uh, yesterday. So, sort of going into Preston's game, we too, similar to you, Simeon, had a uh, sort of a, not a di- well, I say not difficult, but a, a potential stumbling sort of block uh, away at Wickham, another League Two side who are doing really well in the league at the moment. Uh, they're fourth, I think, um, sort of without looking at the table. So, team full of confidence and. There was always sort of the the possibility of a, a cup upset there. So, you know, we go down and to score within the first minute, Josh Harrop with an absolutely fantastic free kick. It really did just calm the nerves a bit and sort of stop them growing into the game before they had a chance, really. Um, sort of against sort of a lower league side like that, it's good to get an early goal and just, you know, settle your players' nerves and then they had to sort of try and come on to us then. And, you know, it sort of worked to our advantage with, Sort of, I've said numerous times this season on the podcast that we were a quick team who looked to break against other teams, and you know we we invited them on and then just hit them on the counter. And the game plan yesterday sort of worked to perfection. Um, sort of to single a few players out, I thought Tom Clark and Paul Huntington at centre back were absolutely fantastic. Um, sort of everyone knows about Akin Fen, where sort of his physical presence up top and, you know, he barely had a sniff yesterday and that's all down to the fact that Huntington and Clark, sort of whichever man was marking him, depending on which side the attack was coming from, both did their jobs fantastically well and, you know, kept him quiet all game and I, I can't recall him having sort of a decent effort, decent effort on goal, which, you know, speaks volumes about their experience at the back and, and how to deal with sort of a, an unusual sort of, shall we say, uh, sort of playing style, uh, sort of the physicality from him. Um, but it was sort of going forward where we, you know, really impressed yesterday. There were a couple of changes made. Uh, Tom Barkusen and, and John Hugill got deserved rests. Um, and Callum Robinson, who's normally a winger by trade, um, sort of played up top on his own. And, you know, he did fantastically well considering he's a winger. He's, he's not the biggest lad, but he managed to sort of bring the ball down and bring other people into play. Um Sort of aerially, he was sort of lacking. But, you know, when you've got Jordan Hugill up front, who's probably one of the best in the league with his back-to-goal sort of holding the ball up, obviously you're going to miss that. Um, but what we did sort of fantastically well was, you know, compensate for that with uh, getting the ball out wide, sort of playing some lovely one and two touch stuff around the edge of their box. And you only have to look at some of the goals we scored to show you sort of how high confidence is in the team at the moment. Um, Alan Brown in particular was absolutely fantastic yesterday. Josh Harrop, um, now he's sort of getting regular game time, really looks to be sort of turning into the player that we we expected him to be when we got him from Man United in the summer. And if he can carry on in that sort of vein of form over the coming months uh, until Sean Maguire's back, you know, Maguire's going to have a really hard time getting back in the squad. And that's sort of testament to how he's, he's got his head down, he's worked hard, um, you know, sometimes you get players who come down from Man United or, or other sort of big Premier League clubs and just expect to walk into the first team and sort of have a bit of an ego about them. But he doesn't seem like that kind of lad. He's he's worked hard. He's he's understood that you know to start with it wasn't happening for him, and he's he's got his head down and grafted. And you know he's really starting to sort of prove to the fans now sort of why we brought him in in the summer. Um, we had a debut yesterday as well. Billy Bowden, who we signed um, a couple of days ago from Bristol Rovers, was absolutely fantastic yesterday. Looked like he'd sort of been playing sort of with the rest of the squad for you know a couple of years, slotted in perfectly well on the right hand side, and it gives Barcus and some much needed competition now, and also sort of as we saw yesterday, the chance for him to have a rest as well. 
sort of the last few weeks he's faded off a little bit. But, you know, no fault of his own, really, if he's playing sort of week in, week out. Not really had a rest because there just simply isn't anyone else to play on that right-hand side. So it's nice to get Bowden in, slotted in, as I said, perfectly well. And, you know, it's, it's sort of good signs for us, really, if we can take sort of this form back into the league now, you know, which we have done, uh, picked up sort of decent points over Christmas. And sort of now the fixture list, obviously there's no easy games in the championship, but sort of looks a bit kinder now. So it was uh, it was good to get the win yesterday. Went about it in the right way. Didn't sort of get caught up in the uh, sort of the pre-match build-up and, and sort of the hype of going down to sort of a League Two team. You know, there was a big crowd on for them and, you know, you you would have expected um, sort of them to fly, which, you know, it's sort of weird most weeks on this podcast now sort of talking about Preston in a, a positive light. It's sort of not been the case over recent seasons. So, you know, I'm going to enjoy it sort of while it lasts. What we do today, obviously, FA Cup weekend and sort of one of the, the cup competitions that makes English football sort of really stand out compared to other leagues. And sort of over recent years, there's been sort of the argument that the, the FA Cup's lost its magic, so to speak. So I just wanted to sort of, first of all, get your thoughts on, has it lost its magic? And if so, and, and you think it has, sort of what's sort of the, the biggest factor to sort of, sort of say that it has? Yeah, so, I mean, it's definitely lost its magic. Um, I mean, from an Ipswich fan's point of view, we haven't won in it since 2010, but we haven't actually tried. Um, you know, it's always been reserved teams and, you know, out in the third round. Um, seems to, so to a mid-table championship team, it just seems to be a nuisance. You play all the games at, at Christmas and the manager then seems to just want to, and a succession of our managers just seem to want to rest people. And um, I think when the draw comes, the only thing that would, um, that would make it kind of pop is Norwich. Um, if we got Norwich or if we um, went away to one of the big teams or at home. To, otherwise it just seems um, that the, the rewards aren't what they used to be in the past. Um, you know, it was the, the biggest day of the year and it was the trophy. But the second that Man United won the Champions League in 1999 and that then is, you know, the most televised and the most, um, you know, the most recognised football competition. At that point, all of the, and it trickles down, all the top teams are then more into that, which you know, makes them play reduced teams, which makes other teams play reduced teams in the Premier League because they want to stay in the Premier League. And it just all really trickles down. And other than, you know, uh, I don't know, Newport beat Leeds today or, you know, Forest beating Arsenal, other than a cup upset in the first few rounds, that's that's a bit of fun. And then it all seems to end, still end up being Arsenal or Chelsea, Man United, Man City, winning it and to those teams that are winning it they they're not as bothered about that as they are about the Premier League or the Champions League so I think I think it's generally the the big trickle down from you know the top teams you know focusing on the Champions League and then as I've said I'm repeating myself now but the teams below stand in the Premier League and I think for our all our three teams uh, um you know, you kind of think you're not going to win it. You might get a nice draw and make some money and then get knocked out. I, I think that's the attitude of, of most most managers. And I'll, I'll hand over to you you two guys to, to see if you agree or disagree. 
Yeah, I agree with that, to be honest. Um, a lot of the attitude of the big sides just kind of kills the kills the cup, really. If they're um, too involved with the Premier League or the Champions League, then they tend to put out young sides. It's not really a, a proper diverse Goliath as it used to be. And a lot of the time, the big sides can afford to put out really strong reserve sides because they've got so much money to invest in players on their bench that it's not the same... Uh, they're not putting in the same attitude as they always used to. Um, it's On the whole, I think it's hard to judge for a championship fan, to be honest, because we're in that kind of limbo of not being a really good side and we're not a really small side either. If you look at the experiences of the really small sides last year with uh, Sutton and Lincoln going really far, I think if you asked any of their fans if the FA Cup had lost its magic, they say it certainly hasn't. And looking at the results today as well, and yesterday with Coventry winning, Newport winning, uh, Forest beating Arsenal as well. There's some really good results that do pop up. Um, and yeah, it doesn't happen all the time, but if the FA Cup was regularly entertaining, it wouldn't be that special either. So it does still have that uh, potential to throw up some uh, um, really exciting moments, I think. Yeah, I completely agree with sort of the the points you two have made there. I think uh, sort of first of all, it is as as you both mentioned, teams resting players, and you know as you saw with Arsenal today going to Forest, sort of the the history books all showed that Forest beat Arsenal. But if you actually sort of look at that Arsenal team, with the exception of probably three or four players, you know there's there's not really sort of including the bench as well. Many of that team that had sort of get into their first sort of what you'd class as their starting eleven. Um, so that sort of takes the shine off it a bit, and you know it's it's sort of disappointing. We we had Arsenal last season in the FA Cup. Um, they rested quite a few players. Didn't play sort of granted sort of the the youth players that they did today, uh, but it was sort of a weakened side, and that kind of takes the sort of the edge off it a little bit. Um, you know, sort of managers have every right to rest players, but it, you know, as we've said, it does sort of take the shine off it. And I think what you said, Benjamin, about sort of the the top teams competing in Europe and challenging for the Premier League, the amount of money that's sort of involved in those now, the FA Cup sort of really does sort of is viewed by them, I think, as sort of an opportunity to rest players, give French players a bit of a game, you know, get some game time in them, um, especially sort of over the January transfer window as well and sort of the, the third and fourth round. It's, it's an opportunity for sort of players that they want to kind of shift off the books to, you know, make a good impression and then hopefully someone will come in for them. So I think that's why we are seeing sort of more weakened sides these days and it's sort of disappointing for the likes of, sort of the championship teams and the League 1 and League 2 or sort of non-league teams who, you know, if they do get sort of a a so-called big team, not getting to play against the likes of, you know, their sort of what you'd class as their world-class stars. And, you know, it is disappointing. And I think it's only going to sort of continue in that, that way unless, you know, something's done about it. But, you know, there's not really anything you can do. Um, Clubs have every right to sort of, choose the squad that they have you know they have the players for a reason so they can rotate and keep everyone fresh um so you know it is disappointing but it's sort of part of the game we uh we sort of live in these days um but sort of to to move it off from sort of why we think it's lost its magic to 
sort of, I wanted to get your thoughts on sort of your earliest FA Cup memories. It, it could be for your team, uh, or it could be for you know just uh, sort of a moment, uh, really. Sort of one that stands out to me as uh, the, and it's probably my earliest football memory. Um, is Roberto Di Matteo's goal in the the nineteen ninety seven final against Middlesbrough, where he scored after forty two seconds? It used to be sort of uh, like a family sort of afternoon. You'd all gather around the TV at three o'clock, and you know nowadays it gets shifted to sort of Sunday or late in the evening on a on a Saturday nowadays. So that's sort of to go back to the the other point, taking the the magic off it a little bit. But yeah, I wanted to get sort of your guys' uh, sort of earliest FA Cup memories, um, sort of. For, for Ipswich or Reading or, or just in general. So, yeah, the floor's open. Um, yeah, OK, I'll jump in. Um, so, obviously, for Ipswich, the massive feather in the cap was the cup win in 78. I am not that old and I can't remember that, but I was born in 82. Um, the first memory is, I mean, and this is the difference, when you talk about the late 80s and the 90s, the names, so you had the Ian Wright coming back from the broken leg and scoring two the Palace against Man United. Um, you had the whole Gascoigne, the whole run after the World Cup in 1990, the whole run through the team, you know, took Spurs to the final pretty much by himself and then smashed his knee up tragically in the in the final and Spurs go on to win. Then then the Cantona years where um, he scored two pens and they did the double and won 4-0. Then they lost to Everton and then he scores the winner against Liverpool. And then... Um, the coming of Arsene Wenger when um, when they do the double in in '98 and I just finished my GCSEs and I had my first hangover that very day so I remember it remember it well and the changing of the guard but really then in 2000 Man United not entering and um, interest kind of dwindling since for Ipswich since '78 going away I think it was '90 uh, the promotion season '91 '92 went away to Sunas as Liverpool. Um, took them to extra time, took the lead in the game, took 8,000 supporters and what have you. So that would be the um, the memory from my time watching. But honestly, if you ask me about any of the last 10 finals, other than Wigan beating Man City, I'd probably just go, oh, Chelsea won. Um, so that would be that would be my memories. I think I must be the youngest person here. So uh, my memories only really start probably about 10 years after that um reading never really had anything particularly exciting to uh to get going about in the fa cup i think the last time we had reached a semi-final was 1927 uh, when we got knocked out by cardiff so it was about almost a, a century of not really doing particularly well in the fa cup um being in a family that grew up without uh sky sports or anything like that the fa cup was my really good chance to see Man United, Arsenal and all those ones on the terrestrial TV and it was the FA Cup that was my first chance to see Reading on TV, uh, live on TV for the first ever time. Uh, we went up to Manchester United in about 2007 and against all the odds managed to get a, a really good 1-1 draw um, and in the replay we I think lost 3-2 uh, went 3-0 down inside about 10 minutes. Pretty awful start. Um, but it was a really good game and it was a great first chance to see my team on uh, on TV. So I was very fond of that. Um, and for a similar reason, knocking Liverpool out of the FA Cup at Anfield in about 2010 as well. Really special memory. Yeah. 
Yeah, sort of similar to you guys, um, sort of my sort of watching it on TV sort of memories were sort of because we didn't have sort of either Simeon Sky or anything like that. So it was sort of my first real chance of watching football on TV and seeing the likes of sort of Man United and Arsenal and, and those kind of teams. And sort of it always sort of holds like a sort of a special place like a mark, the, the FA Cup third round. It's uh, sort of still to this day, one of the sort of sort of the days that I get excited for over the season, you know, to see who you get. Sort of normally for us, it's sort of a day filled with optimism, sort of, Oh, the draws at seven o'clock tonight. You know, hopefully we get sort of one of the big teams, and then we end up drawing sort of a, a Nottingham Forest away, for example, someone that you played twice in the season already in the league, and then uh, sort of end up um, playing them again in the cup. And sort of nine times out of ten, it'll go to a replay, and you've got another game against them, which sort of does dampen the mood of it. But sort of over the last couple of years, we've been quite lucky, sort of, to to get drawn against sort of decent teams. Last year, we had Arsenal at, at Deepdale. Um, stadium full, great atmosphere, and we managed to go one nil up in that game. And still, sort of now, especially seeing the Forest result today, you know, I, I still don't know how we didn't win that game. We sort of in the first half, and it's not me sort of been a biased Preston fan. We could have easily had sort of four or five, you know, apart from sort of this season where we're playing some really good football over the last sort of five or six years. That first half against Arsenal is probably the best I've ever seen us play uh, sort of in the last five or six years. Um, so that was sort of great memories to take from that game, even though we did sort of concede a last minute, uh, or they scored a last minute winner, um, which was gutting. You know, I would have loved a, a trip down to the Emirates with Preston. Uh, we would have taken sort of a load of people down there, filled the away, and then it would have been a great day out. But, you know, unfortunately it wasn't meant to be. Um, and then back in 2015, again, we had Man United at Deepdale, went 1-0 up in that game as well. And sort of apart from when we got promoted at Wembley, um, sort of the same season, actually, I think that is probably the best atmosphere I've been a part of as a Preston fan. Um, the sort of five minutes after we'd scored to go 1-0 up, I've never sort of seen our, our town end, uh, sort of the, the main stand behind the goal sort of bounce in the way it has and it was uh, the the first home game that my brother, who is a United fan, but does you know come to quite a few Preston games with me. Um, he came on, so it was sort of uh, sort of a good experience for him to come on his first Preston game and sort of experience that atmosphere. And he's you know slowly trying to convert him now to uh, into Preston fan, which I don't think will happen. You know, with him being a Man United fan, but if they uh, continue playing the way they have done over the last few weeks and sort of picking up disappointing draws, you know, you never know. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's sort of uh, a shame really to see the way, as we said earlier, it's dwindled off in, in recent years, but it's always still sort of one of my favourite sort of weekends of the, of the year and it is something I, I look forward to and, you know, hopefully sort of the draw tomorrow night, Preston can get another one of these big teams and, uh, you know, it creates a few more sort of memories then. Um, but sort of to get away from the FA Cup for just a minute, I, uh, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts, and it's um, a conversation which gets brought up quite a bit, um, sort of especially around this time of year, and it sort of was brought to, well, not brought to my attention, but I wanted to mention it after the comments that uh, Guardiola made sort of in the week about uh, a winter break in England and about how 
sort of, especially over the Christmas period, there's sort of no rest for the players really with the game every other day. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on would it work in England and sort of if, if there was one to happen, do you think it'd sort of detract from sort of the festive period? It is sort of, especially like the Boxing Day games, games that families go to, you know, people get excited about when the fixture list comes out. Um, what would your opinions on, on the winter break be? Well, I don't quite know how. I mean, it's all very well for Pep with, in his 19, um, well, 20-team league to talk about a winter break, but I don't know how you do it in a 46-game season because they already play virtually, you know, probably three times every two weeks virtually throughout the season. Um, so I don't quite know at championship level how you do it. Although what I would say, and I'd be very interested in your two guys' feedback on this watching championship teams is it appears now given the speed of the game and um you know just the way it's played it just seems impossible for that many players to go through a whole 46 game season in the championship without actually getting hurt so um i do i you know i want the players to go and give everything but we don't want them to go and kill themselves for us especially with uh concussion science and what not the way it is. You see Joe Garner headering nine million balls a game and doing that forty six times a season. So I would be an I would be an advocate of the guys playing less games, but I'd sooner see them um see them remove a few a few teams from, from the leagues. But unfortunately it's um it's Turkey's voting for Christmas, isn't it? Every every football match that gets played raises X amount of cash and X amount of T V money and um Unfortunately, while the um, while these guys are going out and playing for playing for their money, the the people running the game, you know, are just going to send them out as many times as as many times as they can. So, if I was a player, I'd probably want less games. Um, if I was a man in a suit running um, a broadcaster or a football club, I probably wouldn't want less games. And um, I don't know. It much easier in the Premier League than than in the Championship. And I. Um, I'll close by saying I would really like to hear your guys' feedback on is it actually possible, unless you're Luke Chambers and Bionic Man, for an outfield championship player to get through the whole season without getting injured? And I'll wrap up there. Yeah, I think looking at the um, uh, just how intense the championship season is uh, with those 46 games and then adding in League Cup games and FA Cup games, it should theoretically be worse for uh, second-tier teams. And when you look at the amount of teams that have uh, quite extensive injury problems throughout the year, um, it, you would have thought it'd be worse for for, um, for our teams that we support, to be honest. And even despite the big advances they've made in things like fitness and uh, physio science and all of that in the last couple of years, just playing so much football is always going to put a lot of stress on uh, players' bodies. Um, so really, you need uh, big squad strength to cope with that. And weirdly, uh, it's the Premier League size that should be able to cope with that more. Uh, they've got big academies. They've got a lot of money to throw at squad players. So when it comes to um, having a winter break, they should be able to manage those extra games, to be honest. They should be able to um, rotate heavily um, over December and early January. Um and they never seem to want to do that. They'll always have a lot of expensive players on the bench not really playing, whilst uh, 
same players uh, in the first team just keep on going out and getting played all the time. So I don't really have a lot of sympathy with Pep Guardiola when he says that, to be honest. Um, realistically, I don't think that kind of break can happen um, because the sheer amount of involvement that the TV companies have in determining uh, what the clubs do and how they uh, organise their fixtures, I don't think they'd let it happen, to be honest. Yeah, I completely agree with you too. I think, especially in the Championship and in League One and League Two, where there's more teams, I think it's sort of more or less impossible unless you start the season earlier and, and finish it later um, or something like that. That you know, you could have a winter break. I think the only real way you could have a, a not a winter break, but it'd be to give them the week off between Christmas and New Year, for example. Um, but you know, then that's not really sort of a break. It's just sort of the same as you not being in the FA Cup one round and, and, you know, missing a week, for example, which, you know, happens to sort of some teams throughout the season anyway. So, I, yeah, it's uh, it's a tricky one. I don't think there's ever going to be sort of a, a right or wrong or definitive answer to whether we should or we shouldn't. Um, I think, as as you said, Ben, it would benefit the players uh, to have a bit of time off. Um, but as, as you said, Simeon, the TV companies probably have more control these days than sort of the governing bodies do uh, with the way they can dictate, you know, the kickoff times and, and that kind of thing for games, um, sort of to choose which one goes on TV. Um, but to go to your point, Ben, I think um, especially sort of nowadays, and I, I don't know how you'd, you'd check, but it'd be fascinating to see sort of over the course of the season, if you compiled sort of every sort of muscle injury, for example, that happens, when it'd be the sort of, the, like the most common time that these injuries occur, would it be sort of over the Christmas period where the games come thick and fast or or wouldn't there be a correlation, uh, for example? Um, obviously, you get sort of like uh, sort of bone breaks or anything there, sort of freak injuries, they can happen at any point, but would there be sort of, you know, a link between the amount of games played and sort of what would be the, the most common time that they would get injured. Um, sort of for us, Sean Maguire's sort of an example of that. He, uh, he came uh, from the League of Ireland where their season sort of laid out differently. So we signed him in the summer and he just finished sort of their season, went straight into our first team and then sort of played again um, until he um, until he did get injured just before the Ipswich game, actually. Um, you know, he'd played a hell of a lot of football over the calendar year with no break and uh, what, at the time was diagnosed as just a hamstring injury and he's now out for sort of six months because um, I think he's uh, actually detached his hamstring from sort of, sort of something to do with that. Uh, so he's had to have surgery for that. So, you know, I think definitely the amount of games that that, that players play and the, the amount of strain on their bodies nowadays does sort of lead to more injuries. But you know, whether a winter break's the right way to go about it or we spread out the games, as I said, and make the season longer or, or start it earlier, you know, there's there's never going to be a right or wrong way. Everyone's going to have their own opinion about it. Um, but it's always a good conversation to have. Um, but sort of moving on finally, um, we go back to league football next week. So I just wanted to get your guys sort of previews on sort of your games next week uh, do you expect any signings to come in over the course of this week to help bolster the squads and sort of cover for any injuries or, or will it be sort of how it is at the moment uh, we'll start with you first on on this Ben you've uh, got a tricky looking home game against Leeds who although they lost in the FA Cup today they're, they're doing really well in the uh, the league at the moment uh, sort of how do you see the game going and what would be your prediction for it oh crikey um, so this is pretty vital now because so if you should 
12th now, and they're seven points off the playoffs. Um, in the game earlier in the season, um, it was 3-2 to Leeds, and Leeds actually were top that day. And if you're a Mick McCarthy team, Leeds are actually, they're gettable um, at um, uh, Simeon will say from the from the Reading Ipswich game where Reading had the ball most of the game and Ipswich won two nil. At Leeds, um, you know, they play a four two three one with um, although Saeed's got red carded today, so he won't be around, which is good news. But um, Alioski, Hernandez, um, Lasoga, there. I think we can get at them. I'll give you two scenarios. Um, one is that uh, Leeds bring all their lovely billion fans or whatever that they claim come to every game. The ground's nice and full. Um, Ipswich up and at them. They get a, get a nice win. Um, we don't sell our entire squad and the season moves on in a positive direction. The negative scenario is between now and next Saturday, um, we lose one. Keith Moore's definitely going on Monday, we think, to Barnsley. Um, we lose one, two, three players between now and then we lose the game um potentially norwich could go above us next week and all of a sudden you're you were talking about preston james well preston are looking up at the playoffs and ipswich uh, will start looking down below them so it's a really really important three weeks for ipswich i know you are specifically about leeds but they've got bolton away who have picked up nicely since an awful start and and then wolves at home and wolves are you know just a different level to everybody else with their their George Mendes squad. So you can get to a point where at the end of the month, Ipswich, I don't know, 14th, 15th, and and looking downwards with two or three first-team players sold. So really, really vital time. We'd love to see some leadership from Marcus Evans. He he never shows up. He's a silent silent leader. Um, we'd love just, just a quote, just a statement to say, what is happening? I don't think we're going to get one. So um, let's hope we get the win. Um, we move up the table. We move on a forward trajectory. And let's hope that the you know that January isn't too dreadful. That it's not four players out and one loan in. That it's more like you know two players out and two players in or something like that. So let's yeah, fingers crossed from this end. But I do think you can. I'd uh, be interested in your opinions. I do think you can get at Leeds and Leeds won't be coming to Ipswich thinking, oh, that's an easy three points. They'll be thinking, nah, this is a horrible team to play against. So um, I'll, I'll wrap up by saying that. Yeah, definitely. I think especially from a Preston point of view, uh, we want you to get a result against Leeds because it sort of leaves uh, sort of them sort of, if we win, we'll be level on points with them and, you know, we'll be sort of right in the playoff mix then uh, sort of even more so than we are at the moment. Um so, yeah, definitely hoping for a result on your end. Um, to move on to you, Simeon, uh, you've got a tricky sort of looking game at, at Hull. Um, I wouldn't call it a six-pointer, but if you can get a win, you sort of do pull clear of the, uh, the relegation zone by sort of quite a, quite a distance. Um, whereas Hull are in desperate need of the points. They're uh, only out of the relegation zone at the moment on goal difference. Uh, same points as Burton and only two points off the bottom. So how would you see the game going and what would be your prediction for it? I think the biggest question at the moment is how we respond to uh, this game that's just gone, to be honest, because it was a really hostile, uh, negative atmosphere, particularly between the fans and the players at full time, um, when there's a lot of booing of the players, a lot of sarcastic chanting. 
against the players from uh, a certainly a vocal minority in the in the away end on Saturday. Um, and there are a lot of words said after the game. Um, Chris Gunter took to social media. Paul McShane, the captain, did as well, basically saying, yeah, we haven't been very good, but equally, if you treat us like that, if you disrespect us like that, it doesn't really help anyone. Although that's a bit of a, a bit of a simplification. Um, but going ahead towards Saturday, it's all about how we respond to this kind of um, real crisis of confidence we've got at the moment. If Yapstam says, right, this is how we're going to um, tackle these uh, problems head on, um, this is how we're going to kind of get ourselves together and really, um, uh, really put together a, a mindset of how to win, then I think we can go up to Hull and get a, at least a good point because um, that's probably more important. More important than winning is making sure that Hull don't beat us, to be honest, because another loss will really, uh, really suck us down into that um, into that mix of the bottom three. Um, it's a bit of a complicating factor having Nigel Adkins as their manager as well, because he was the last manager to kind of, well, one of the last managers to drag us down into this relegation fight as well when uh, he got sacked a couple of years ago, having takes on a similarly awful run to what we are on now uh, so that ex-manager uh, factor could be interesting um, if we got some players coming back to fitness I could see the squad looking a lot healthier but realistically they're not going to be helped by any new signings Yeah and just sort of to, to move on finally to Preston we've got a, a difficult looking game on paper, we go away to uh, to Millwall um, they had sort of a difficult start to the season, but they've uh, they've really picked up in recent weeks, and they're sort of climbing up the table sort of quite nicely now for them. Um, it's by no means going to be easy, but if we uh, if we play like we do or we did uh, rather yesterday, I think we should be fine. Um, and I think it is important now that we, if we do have sort of serious ambitions about getting in the playoffs, these are the kind of games that we need to be winning. We need to be picking up points away from home. Uh, sort of as we have done at home uh, and we need to be sort of uh, putting like unbeaten runs together um, I say that sort of after getting beat by Middlesbrough which was disappointing last week um, absolutely battered them all game and still sort of a week later I don't know how we, we managed to lose the game um, so that was disappointing for us that sort of victory last weekend would have put us uh, on the same points as Leeds in sixth and you know I'd be even more sort of confident Sort of going into this weekend, so it was a it was a good win in the uh, in the cup yesterday. Um, sort of to get a win on under our, under our belt, and you know, sort of get sort of back on the winning track. So we need to take that form back into the league now. You know, go to Millwall. Um, sort of there, it is a difficult place to go. Uh, I won't make sort of any bones about that. You know, they they're quite a physical team, and it'll be a real challenge for us. But I think if we uh, if we play as well as we did yesterday, we should be fine. So, if I was to uh, to hazard a guess at the score, I'd say we'd probably win sort of 2-1. Uh, won't be an easy game, but I think we should just have enough for them, uh, especially with sort of the majority of our injured players coming back now. And we've got sort of a couple of new signings in. Um, we have been linked with Ledson from Oxford, so hopefully if we can get that done uh, this week and over the line, that's another new player in as well. Um, and yeah, it's sort of positive times around Preston at the moment, which is sort of unusual to be sort of most weeks on air, sort of being quite positive about our season and looking up rather than down. So I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts and, uh, you know, who knows where it'll take us come May. So 
fingers crossed for a win, but as I said, it'll be a difficult game. Um, but with that, we're out of time. Uh, if you two want to let everyone know where they can sort of follow you and, and any projects that you're involved in, now would be a good time. Yeah, so um, this is Ben, and three times now per week we have the Blue Monday podcast. Um, you can find it on Acast, um, iTunes, or Apple Podcasts, sorry. Um, and now we're actually we're filming the Skype call as well, so it's going on YouTube. So also, if you go on my YouTube channel, um, it's just Benjamin Bloom. I do a match review um, after every Ipswich game. I'm at pretty much straight after, so a um, lot of... Uh, opposing teams get involved and get involved in the comments with that which is good fun other than that you can follow me on twitter at benjamin bloom and you can follow our podcast at blue monday itfc i'm samin you can find me on twitter at bucks royal and i'm the editor of the tile west end where we write about everything about reading whether it's pre-match stuff post-match stuff uh, random opinion and analysis throughout the week uh, got it all covered. We've got a podcast as well coming out each week as well. So keep an eye out for that. Yeah, and as I said, I'm uh, James Vickers. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore James Vickers, uh, where I mainly tweet about Preston North End and uh, a bit of Bundesliga as well. If you're sort of uh, into that and like European football, definitely give me a follow. Um, and most importantly, you can follow us on our uh, new Twitter page for the show, which is at Championship Pod, where we have sort of weekly polls and other bits and pieces like that. And we'll always be posting the link to, to the podcast. And uh, we'll, we're, we're going to start now sort of retweeting and sharing sort of any projects that the guys who come on and talk about their teams are involved in. So sort of definitely check that out. And it'll be a sort of main sort of point to go to for, for anything championship related um cheers for joining me today guys uh hopefully sort of next time we get you on it's uh, a bit more positive <laughs> sort of um sort of league form as opposed to sort of uh, your results in the cup uh, yesterday um but as i said with that we're out of time and, and cheers for joining us 